new year, new things, and uh, in my life, I only really want to love God more. That's, that's what I, I hope the, the point of my life is, is that at the end of my life, I can be assured of one thing, that I loved Jesus, and then I loved my family, you know? And so, but I, I want everyone to be able to look at me and know that like, oh, his death, oh, that's he, um, eternity, that's kind of crazy, right? But when people, they love God, it's a celebration. Like, man, he's, he's happier now than he was when he was with us. And uh, I don't know. I'm really excited about that feeling. So um, I'm thinking about everything that I did in 2019 and some of the things that were successful. And, and I'm pretty excited because this last year, I was able to do probably more things more successful than I have done in years past. But I'm looking at all the goals that I have for 2020, and, and there's a lot of things that I enjoy. And so kind of wanted to get that out for you here a little bit. Some of the things, I don't know what you're thinking about that you want to see accomplished, uh, but there's a lot of things that I love. And so I wanted to kind of just get a ping pong ball for each of them. I, I, uh, I, love, uh, I love my family. I love spending time with my daughter, Mia. You know, and she's a little cuddle bug. She likes to just go on, Dad, can we go on dates? And what's really great is anytime she wants to go on a date, she just wants to go to Starbucks. She's seven. Uh, like, no. And so uh, I love spending time with my son and playing baseball with him. And, and I feel like the more I get out there, uh, those are the moments that I love the most in my life. And I, I want to get out there and watch him play baseball. And, 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 but time is always against us, right? It's like the things that you want to do, you can't seem to find time for. I want to make time for my wife this year. And so some of you may Maybe this year you want to be starting a new relationship with someone, you know, and like, you know, you're carving out the time and I don't know what it is that you're, you're carving time out for, but work. Uh, uh, for me, I love food. I don't, I, I love food. I want to start making some new foods this year. When, every time I'm in a meal, eating a meal, I'm already thinking about what I'm cooking for the next meal. Is there any other guys here that are like this? Like, oh man, I love eating steak, but what if we smoked it next time and like put it on the smoker? And uh, there's a lot of things that I love in my life. But when I'm thinking about what the scripture would say for us as we start this new series, Jesus first, Obviously, the Lord wants to be first. And so Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he would say this, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these things will be given to you as well. You know, it's funny, as a pastor, I get to see um, into people's lives uh, and have the conversations with them, hindsight of some of the things that have gone wrong. And so if you, when I sit down with an individual or with a couple and I ask them like, Hey, you know, where did it go wrong? It, most of the time, everyone can go back to where they forgot to put God first. And when we put the other person first, then they became the new priority in life. Then it's easily replaced with something else that's cooler or shinier or, or, or better. And, um, or that treats us better, or laughs at our jokes more, or tells us that we have a nice butt, or, you know, I don't know what it is that it is that you like, but you know, there's other things that are always going to be shinier and cooler and better, and um, when you allow the Lord to step down into second place, it's not long before he's third, fourth, fifth, and so in this, and I, I know that there's things that you value, and there's goals that you have for 2020, um, and I think that those goals are great, but the scripture says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else will be added to you that's necessary. And so there's a lot of goals that you're going to have. And, and truthfully, I don't know if any of them will come to pass. Uh, this may be a year that, that none of them come to pass. But here's what I know. 
When you take everything from my life, you take all my finances or my health or my job or my career and you strip it down to what matters most, you didn't take my relationship with my wife, but you can't take my relationship with God. And when you have like a rock in your life, like Jesus, doesn't matter what you lose, you have everything front and center that you need and you can walk through the fires of life because it's gonna happen. Like, I don't, I'm thinking 2020 is gonna be a fantastic year. This year, I'm gonna become a millionaire and this year, I'm gonna walk on water and this year, uh, many people are just gonna come to me and say, hey, you look really awesome. Can I just pay for your meal today? This, you know, but if it doesn't happen, uh, right? All right, I have to get into the sermon. And so as I'm thinking about Jesus, putting Jesus first, I realize that that's hard in my life because of all of the things that I have to do. I have to take care of my truck and I have to clean the house and we need to install that new thing in the house because it's broken and I need to fix the garbage disposal finally. Anyone else got that problem right now? That one thing that's broke and it's been broke and and there's so many things that I've got to do in my life that it's hard to put Christ first often in my life. It feels like when I wake up in the morning and the alarm clock starts, all of life is already calling me. I already know what my whole day looks like. In fact, what's really troubling to me is that I can tell you what three weeks from now looks like. I'm not a scheduling kind of guy. I live in the moment. And so it's really exhausting when I know what three weeks is gonna look like because I don't wanna live in three weeks. I wanna be right here, right now, doing what I'm doing. And so... Does that make sense? Jesus first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But the anthem of my heart, and I hope the anthem of your heart, is to figure out how to love God more. And I think if some of us were really honest about our relationship with God, looking back in 2019, maybe we, we, we didn't have as good of a year as we wanted to have in the relationship that was the most significant. Did you have great moments? Did you have memories that you can tell your friends about, your coworkers about, the time when God spoke to you, the time when God financially had a breakthrough in your life, the, the, the moments in the Holy Spirit, the revelations in the Word? Did, did, did God take your breath away last year? Did you see His beauty? Were, were you hypnotized with the reality that God is in love with me and I'm in love with Him and He is mine and I am His? I, I don't know, but it'll never get boring to me when I realize that the God that created the galaxies loves me and he's inviting me into a relationship with him and if there's anything in this world that is more fascinating than that I think I'm distracted that all that glitters is not gold you know and um so this week I want to get back to what the core of our church is well the heartbeat of our church is to make disciples it's really our mission we want to make more people just like Jesus. Jesus would say that the most important thing that happens in all of our life is that we put him first. This is what it looks like to him. He says, uh, there was a a man that came up to him and he said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied that you love the Lord God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. This is the first and the greatest commandment. I don't know all the things that you have to do in your life, But loving the Lord God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, it is the highest priority. It was funny. I was sitting uh, yesterday, or I I drove in from South Carolina yesterday. I went up there to visit some friends, and I'm sitting at a table with with three millionaires. These guys have so much money, it's crazy. 
a guy a couple weeks ago just went and bought a million dollar boat because he he could. Like, <laughs> uh, can you get me coffee? <laughs> you know. And so uh, we're talking, we're talking, and we're talking, and he's talking about how important it is for people to create the foundation of their spiritual life before they build anything else in their life. And it was really crazy having the bird's eye view of someone because there are many people that are trying to get to where this guy is. And many people think, well, if we could just achieve money, then we would have arrived. And what he's saying is, no, the starting point is not the money. You can get all the money and lose everything that's good. You've got to start with setting the foundation of what is the most significant thing in your life. First, let's do Jesus. I, I, we're, we're, we were going to call the series First Jesus, but then we, we Googled it and, and First Coffee came up first. And so, and what I realized is that is kind of the anthem of, of our culture. Like before I even pray, before I talk to my family, before I do anything else, I need coffee. What is it that you need above all things in your life? And, and for me, it's not just that I want to be able to say that I have a relationship with God, but I want to talk to him. And I want to hear his voice. I want to know that God is leading me with what the priorities of my life looks like today. Like tomorrow, do you know what your schedule is going to be? Can God redirect that? Do you feel like you're close enough to him that he can interrupt the schedule and shift you in a different direction? Well, for me, uh, to love the Lord God with all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all of my soul, with all of my strength, it's quite difficult because I love so many things. And so to be able to say that I love Jesus and I love tacos and I love Netflix and I love just being alone sometimes and I love that I love that I love fishing and I love new socks. I got socks for Christmas. I'm reading this book right now that's telling me to be thankful for everything that I really enjoy. And I love orange juice. And I love a lot of these things. And to put Jesus in the same equation, like, no, I love Jesus more. But the reason why it's hard to really enjoy God is because our culture has made everything so accessible to you that it's diluted your access to Jesus. And so what I'm realizing is that in my life, I'm going to have to flush some things out to make room for the things that matter the most to me. Because now there's room to love Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, if I get rid of some of the other things in my life, I can get back to the most significant thing. And so I just wonder, how many things do you love? And how many things have become priority? First, let's get back to loving Christ. Well, how do we do that? How do we make this year different than any other year? Like, if you've loved God last year, how do we make this year different? I know that there's one thing. Um, I always wondered, God, why'd you call me into ministry? God, why'd you pick me? Like, there's so many people that love God so well. Why me? I'm not good at a lot of things. I am good at loving Christ. Here's what I know. That we can be passionate about so many things, but in order to make Jesus the greatest passion in our life, which is what he desires, if we're going to become his disciple, if we're going to understand his heart and what he likes and we're going to become like him, we've got to be able to clear the table. Well, 
Here's what I know. I don't think there's anyone in this room that loves food more than me. Um, I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. And so as I'm reading scripture, there's a, a, a book in the Bible that I want to just take you to and, and really just invite you guys to read it this month. And it's only got three chapters, but it's pretty cool. And it's actually pretty basic. It's the story of Joel. And it's found in the Old Testament. And the story of Joel, uh, he would repeat uh, uh, something uh, that happened in the past. He would tell it currently and predict it's going to happen again. And he would do this in three categories. He would basically say economically, relationally, and, um, and spiritually. He would talk about what happened economically, what happened spiritually, and, and what happened relationally. What is going to happen right now, what's currently happening economically, spiritually, and relationally, and what will happen economically, spiritually, and relationally. Or at least this is the way that I see it. The book of the Joel was written in the Old Testament. Uh, some, uh, most scholars believe it was written during the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. Now, what you need to know, if you guys aren't familiar with these two guys, um, is that <clears throat> Israel was a nation. And uh, Israel was overcome, and uh, the temple was destroyed, and they lost everything, and the people were scattered. And Nehemiah got the idea that he can go to his king, and ask to rebuild the walls around the city so that the people can come back together again. Well, they got the okay, and people began to work. When I think about that, I think about how hard our church has been working even in the last two weeks. If you, listen, thank you guys so much for some of you that show up at 8 o'clock in the morning to help start the coffee and to help sound, put on the, turn on all the lights and to clean the kids' rooms and that make a place for the Holy Spirit to move. Like, I'm so grateful for the people that serve. We're building something for Jesus. The people of, of, of Joel were already Christians. In fact, the weird thing about the book of Joel is he doesn't even, in fact, talk about sin a whole lot. He does talk about repenting, which is weird, but he doesn't actually identify any major sins. But he talks about how the people of God need to understand repentance. I wonder, if you're not struggling with sin, do you still need to understand the concept of repentance? Do you still need to practice it? And I think it's imperative um, because it's part of humility. Anyways, as I get into this story, I'm going to read to you real quick. Joel chapter 2, verse 12. Now, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with your whole heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. He says, rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and he is compassionate and he is slow to anger, abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. As I read this passage, what I think is funny is uh, the Lord would talk to people that are already Christians and say, turn your hearts. But Lord, we're already serving you. Our hands are already busy building the kingdom. We're already working. We're already marching out into the, into the forest, cutting down trees, bringing them back to rebuild the walls. I am doing this for your name, Lord. But he says, all right, look, I know what your hands are doing, but here's what I need. I need your hearts. And so I want you to turn to me even now with all your hearts. I'm so grateful 2020, first Sunday service of the year. You guys are like, man, look, we're going to church this week. 
I'm so excited that many of you in your life, you're giving, you're sowing seed, you're witnessing to your neighbors, you're telling people about the love of God. But even now, turn to the Lord with not some of your heart, but all of it. Now, this is what you got to catch. What I really like about this is, is um, Jesus said, the first and the greatest commandment is to love the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And I have found in my own life, in Tim Broughton's life, that it's easy for me to love God with my mind or with my strength or with my soul. It's difficult to do it with all three. And what I mean by that is sometimes you just go through the motions and you can do it with your strength. It's muscle memory. I know this routine. I'm doing what God is asking me to do. I'm obeying. Does this make sense? And some people, we can do it through our mind. We know the right things. We can say the right things. And we can, we can study and read or listen or turn things off that are not godly. But it's hard to activate the heart, the feelings, to make it count. And when, so when God says, even now I want you to turn to me with all of your heart, this is a difficult task. And it's most difficult when you love a lot of things. If there's a lot of things in your life that you enjoy, it's more difficult to be passionate about one thing, which is why fasting is so significant. And here's, I don't know about you, but if I'm trying to make disciples, I'm trying to make people wholeheartedly about Jesus. If I'm trying to make people that are disciples, what we're trying to say is we're going to be passionate about God with all of our hearts. If you're going to be the best at something, it means you're not going to be second. You're like, you're, I am going to champion loving the one that loves me. I am going to be faithful to the one who is faithful to me. And this requires a massive amount of attention. So much so that people that champion anything understand the concept of fasting. It's starving your life from everything else so that you can be singular-minded and singular-focused about one thing. If you're an athlete, these guys that are, that are fighting, MMA guys, they'll go up into the mountains and, and, and train for three months without their family sometimes. And they'll starve their body and they'll drop weight and they'll drop weight and they're training every day. Massive amount of pain in their whole body because they have a desire that they want. They're passionate. What are you passionate about? One thing that I have learned is that I know that Jesus was passionate about me. When I see what Jesus went through, the pain that he endured in his body, the focus that he had in his life that he didn't deter ever. He was always, he always put me first in his mission and in his heart. I want to be passionate about Jesus in my life. And so he says, even now I want you to turn to me with all of your heart, with fasting, with mourning, and with weeping. Uh, I'm going to keep talking about this. I'm going to keep talking about this. I'm going to keep talking about this. And he says, I want you to rend your heart, not your garments. So in these days, people like to tell people how spiritual they were. And they would like change their clothes. They would like rip their shirts and be like, oh. And they'd put ash on their face and let people know like, I'm fasting. I'm really spiritual. We do it differently nowadays. We don't rend our clothes. No, no. What we do is we Instagram them. <laughs> open my Bible, get my coffee right, and I take a picture of it. I'm spiritual today. 
I want everyone to know how godly I am. I'm going to put some Greek maybe in this little passage I'm going to write. I want the whole world to know just how spiritual I am. And what, what they're saying is, I don't need you to rend your clothes. I don't need you to tell the world what I'm doing in here. I need you to rend your heart. Now, rend your heart is pretty funny. I actually, I, I've said the word so many times, didn't really know what it was. It means to rip in half. God wants you to rip your heart in two. Wait, what? So how can you return to the Lord with fasting, with mourning and weeping if nothing's wrong, if there's no sin in your life, like, hey, look, I'm not having an affair. I'm not watching anything nasty on the internet and I haven't punched my neighbor in at least two weeks. Everything's pretty good in my life, Pastor. Like, uh, what do I, what well, rend your heart is a difficult task, guys. See, let me tell you something about someone that has their heart ripped in two. They're focused. I, I can remember um, I was 22 and I was in a relationship that broke my heart. And I remember crying every night, wanting somebody to love me back. You ever been there? You ever been in a situation so, or you done something to someone, you hurt them, and the only thing on your mind for days was how do I fix this? How do I get this right? And what the Lord is saying, I want you to return to me with fasting, with mourning, and with weeping. And sometimes it's not even for you. What if we came to God with the reality that he is so in love with me and so in love with all of you that God, you got to give me your spirit because I got to give it to them. You got to give me money because I got to give it away. You got to give me giftings, God, because I got to give it away. They don't know you, God. They don't know you and you love them and they don't know you. And it rips your, like, you know, when, when my heart breaks is when I find out a, a, two friends that I have that are a couple and they're married for a long time. And I find out one day they're done. I can't get over that. It hurts. It breaks my heart. Rend your heart. When was the last time that you were broken? Here's what I know. I get broken when something happens to one of my kids. But seldomly do I allow myself to get broken when something happens to one of God's kids. Why? Then am I really in love? Am I really in a relationship? Because if they're his kids, they're my kids. You're my kids. Your neighbors are my kids. God, you've got to rend my heart. I want purpose in this life. And then what I know is food, baseball, all these other things, watching football this afternoon. I love sports. Some of you guys don't know this right now. I, I, I want to see God move more than there's other things that I used to be so passionate about. And I'm still passionate about them. But more, I want to wake up tomorrow with purpose. Like, I want to know that 2020, I made it count. I paid the price. God, I laid it all out there on the line. I'm living my life for you, and I want what you love. When you rend your heart, here's what I know. When I entered into a relationship with Teresa, there were so many things that I, I thought that I loved, so she would just naturally love them. You know, like, I mean, why doesn't 
she like stuff I watch on TV or, you know what I mean? Like, but it is, there's so many things that are not naturally, that, that don't naturally come together in a relationship. But when you care, you do everything you can to lean in more and, and understand what they love, what they love, what they love, what they love. And that's going to be so important for you with Jesus. You're going to have to let go of some things that you love. And if your desire in 2020 is to put Jesus first in your life, then you're going to have to make sure that there's nothing that compares on any level to him. And this is how I know it works. I fast. I'm going to invite you guys to fast with me. We're going to be praying on, on Saturday mornings. We have a devotion that we're putting out on the app right now. You can go to it every day. Check out the app. But I'm going to ask you guys to fast with me for 21 days. We're going to fast. I've been telling you guys. I've been trying to get you to prepped up about it. Why? When I'm fasting, it is pushing everything else that I love out of my life so rapidly that I know that the only reason why I am starving myself of the, and people show up with food, they have never wanted to be, people never want to be generous until you're fasting. I'm telling you right now, it is the devil. Read Matthew chapter four. The devil did it to Jesus too. And they'll be as sweet as a grandmother. Like she'll be, oh, I just love you. I made these brownies. You're like, oh, I, gosh, I, uh, but what you're doing is you're saying no to something because you want something more. And when you begin to put the things in front of you that matter most, your soul begins to cry out. And you realize, man, I'm in love with God. I want to see God move in my life. I want to see God. Where has this been? Why have I been so lackadaisical? Why has this not mattered to me? Like, I need to hear God. I want, I want God to talk to me when I'm at Walmart. I want to pass people and go, God, how do you feel about that person? And I want to know their whole story. God, give me prophecy. Give me signs and wonders. Give me the gifts that would reach the lost. I want to live for you, Lord. And you'll realize when you start fasting, you're turning everything on the inside, and you realize everything that's not happening. Now, I'm not telling you to fast because you're in sin, although what I found in my own life is when I'm struggling with sin, I'm struggling with an area that's not disciplined in my life. So when I create, create a greater discipline, I remove the sin from my life. Does that make sense? What I'm asking you to do, in light of the fact that there's nothing wrong, let's cry out to God. Check this out. Here in Joel chapter 2, he would go on to say this. I'm going to read it again. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. And he, he relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and have pity and leave a blessing behind. Grain offerings, drink offerings for the Lord your God. Who knows? While you're fasting, he may actually bless you. But what he's talking about is relationally, economically and spiritually. What I have found is in this, when, he's when I'm talking about relationally, he's actually mostly talking about war. And I love that he's talking about bringing peace with your neighbors. When I love God with all of my heart and I'm connecting with him, there's a humility that enters into my life that I don't war with other people. 
I don't fight with my wife as much when I'm right with God because the pride inside of me doesn't need to win. Does that make sense? I, don't, I wanna have forgiveness in, 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 towards other people. I wanna love more. So it creates more peace on the inside. And then economically, he's talking about like more produce, that there's wealth coming into your land because you're putting God first in your life. Some of us, it's hard for us to find God in our finances because you don't try. You, you, got, you got to put yourself out there. I promise, like, I've seen God move again and again and again and again and again in my life financially. So this is what he says in verse 15. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Remember, no one's in sin. But the prophet is saying, hey, look, we got to get all of Israel together and call a fast. We got to blow trumpets. We got to get all the assembly together, gather the people, consecrate the assembly, bring together the elders, gather the children, let those nursing at the breast, let the bridegroom leave her room and the bride her chamber. Let the priests who minister before the altar, may they weep before the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O God. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn. What I love about what's happening in this passage is he's saying, everyone, fast with me. Look, I know you're getting married. Fast with me. I know that, what, I know that you got big events going on in your life. Fast with me. Now, your fast is going to look different than my fast. I know it. Some of you are like 21 days. I turned that dude off right about 20 minutes ago when he told me what he was about to do. Uh, listen, your fast can look different than mine. Your fast can look different every day. Your fast, you can just skip Reese's peanut butter cups. Look, I get it. That's a sacrifice, okay? Uh, it's a sacrifice for me anyways. Your fast may just be no meat. That'd be a sacrifice. Your sacrifice may be no sugar. That's a sacrifice. There, your fast may be no caffeine. Can I get an amen? That'd be a sacrifice for some people. But here's what I know. The greater the sacrifice, the greater the breakthrough. The more that David wanted to make an offering to the Lord and he realized as he was about to slaughter these sheep, wait, I can't give to the Lord when I own all of them. I can't just like do one. He says, but I want it to count. So I've got to make my sacrifice greater. What is it that you want? Now, if you've never fasted before, don't do 21 days. That's dumb. Don't not eat food for 21 days. You'll hurt yourself. Uh, do one. Do every Monday. Do, I don't know what you want to do, but here's what I know. If you want to put Christ first in your life, you'll realize that you're more and more in love with him when you're actually sacrificing something that's meaningful to you. And so I'm asking you to join me. Why? I'm really glad that our church is growing. I think it's cool. But here's what I don't think is cool. Having a whole lot of people here that just listen. There is a lot of churches that are growing people by the hundreds. What we want to do is make disciples. Disciples fasted. Jesus said that when I leave, my disciples will fast. If you call yourself a follower of the Lord, this is a practice. This is not just a practice. This is the weird thing. Culturally, 
It's so different, difficult for America. They do it in India. They do it in Africa. They do it all over the world. But the one place that fasting is the most difficult is in America because we, we love food. We love absorbing as much stuff as we can. Fast the internet. Fast your cell phone. Holy moly, like, dude. Fat, like, make it count. Give up something that's going to say, God, no, I want you. No, God, I want you. No, God, I want to hear your voice. No, God, I want you to use me. No, God, I want to make a difference for eternity. I want to reach the lost. I want to do something significant. Or you can just come and listen to pastor next week. But here's the reality is you're a pastor. You're somebody's pastor. You go to work sitting right next to someone who's never going to hear me speak. They're never going to come to church. You are their Holy Spirit. And so we got to get all the other crap out so we can make sure that we get in what counts the most. I'm asking you, 21 days. Let's get some crap out of our life. Now, if you're married, be careful. Don't hit the person next to you and make them do what you're doing. That's not the way this works. Let God do something in them. And if their fast is that they're going to skip one meal over the course of eight weeks, and it just so happens to be what you cooked, let that be their sacrifice, you know? You can't make someone else spiritual. That's why he's saying, I want you to rend your heart, not your garments. Because they can do what you tell them to do, but it not fall on their heart. God sees the heart. He knows what level of sacrifices is happening. You can skip anything from television, Facebook, social media. I'm just asking that you make it count. And what the scripture says is, who knows? Maybe God will do something and leave a blessing behind. Well, there's some neat things that happens in, in Joel, if you'd read it. He talks about how your vats will overflow, how there will be more wealth, how there will be plenty to eat, how, how, uh, how people will look at you and recognize your God, how, you, how God won't be shamed because people will say, where is their God? No, they'll look at you and know who God is, according to the scripture. I think that that's stinking fantastic. But what I don't need is for us to tell everyone in the, in, the, in the world that we're fasting and that we're spiritual and that we're doing great. Like, that's not the objective. You can have the praise of man or you can have the praise of the Lord. And so this isn't so that the world knows that we're spiritual. This is so that way we empty our lives of everything that's not spiritual. Does that make sense? You're cultivating your heart. and You're choosing in yourself what you love the most. Jesus said, Love me with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and then everything else will fall into place. Now, maybe you believe that, maybe you don't. This is gonna be difficult for some of you. Here's what I know. Some of you will try and many of you will fail. You may fast uh, Monday and Tuesday and then realize that you're eating a brownie and you don't know how it jumped into your mouth. Finish the brownie, start over. This is what I tell my kids when they were trying to ride a bike and they'd fall. Well, it's okay. It doesn't mean we quit now because we failed. If you have to eat, then eat. And if you have to give in and have coffee, then, then give in and have coffee. Stop beating yourself up. The idea is not to shame yourself. 
okay? You're never gonna be as godly as me because I am not godly, he is. Does that make sense? We're not trying to be like me, we're trying to be like him. So let go of shame and then just get back on the bike and finish the fast. You'll feel better when you don't let the enemy beat you up and he will try. Does any of this make sense? So what we're doing for the next 21 days is we're going to start fasting today. Every Saturday, we're going to come together and pray. Some of you are going to want to pray during the week. We'll open up the church if you want to. Some of you are going to want to get together and have prayer meetings. Yes, that's good. Some of you are going to want to get together and read the Bible. Yes, that's a good thing. I just want you to know that Saturday mornings, there's going to be about 30, 40 of us in here. We're going to cry out to God, and it's going to be awesome because you're going to hear prayer coming from another language. Rach, would you come? Um, I had more that I was supposed to say, and um, yeah, praise the Lord. I said everything I needed to say. Here's today's message. Less of me, more of him. What I've got to do is get everything out of my life that isn't as meaningful so I can be great at what I want the most. What I want the most is to love Jesus with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Does that make sense to anyone? I don't care what you fast. Make it count. If it doesn't cost you something, you're probably doing it wrong. But you don't get to look at someone else and go, yours isn't that good as mine. Like, that doesn't work. 